Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The text for our day today is from that first reading, Acts chapter 20, read a few moments ago. Sometimes it seems to me that people have put some pretty foolish and very hurtful things into their last will and testament. For example, way back in 1919, Wellington Burt, a millionaire, used his will to put his vast wealth out of the hands of his immediate family. His will stipulated that nothing could be distributed until 21 years after the death of his last surviving grandchild. She didn't die until 1989. And so a 21-year uh, countdown began at that time. And she died. it all came true in November of uh, 2011. And 12 people realized at that moment that they had inherited a fortune worth $110 million, all because of a strange will that's been described as a legacy of bitterness. How about that for a memory of your loved one? Or how about Leona Helmsley? She's sometimes remembered as the queen of mean. She left instructions regarding her $5 billion trust in which she left her favorite pet dog $12 million, but then excluded two of her grandchildren and made the others share a combined inheritance of only $10 million, only $10 million. Mark Grunewald was the editor of Marvel comic books, like Captain America and Iron Man and the Avengers. When he died, his will stated that he would be cremated and that his ashes should be spread into the ink that was used to print comic books so that even after his death, he would be remembered and connected with the work that he loved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, have you created a will? That will is going to become part of your legacy, the way in which you wish to be remembered, as well as the means by which you will pass on to your loved ones the things that are most important to you. Our text today has been described as St. Paul's last will and testament. And you'll note how the word testify is used four times in today's lesson, and it all culminates in the word inheritance. It's all about what Paul intended to leave with those that he loved the most. Paul was coming to the end of his third missionary journey. And during that trip, he had spent three years in the city of Ephesus planting and pastoring the congregation there. The ministry had been successful. The word of the Lord spread. There were miracles done. Many, many people became believers in the Lord Jesus. But there was also a great deal of opposition. And in time, a riot broke out, and Paul's life was threatened. The city was thrown into a state of confusion and anger, and Paul was forced to leave. But he didn't see that 
as a defeat. He saw it as the Holy Spirit moving him into a new area, Macedonia, modern-day Greece. And he was to spread the gospel there and establish many more congregations in places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and even in Athens, Greece. But now Paul was being constrained. It's the word he used. It's more like compelled. He was being pushed by the Holy Spirit to go back to Jerusalem. You see, he'd gathered a, an offering among the churches of Macedonia for the relief of the Jewish Christians back in the homeland. And he was eager to get there by the day of Pentecost. On his way back, he decided that he had to bypass Ephesus. He knew he couldn't make a quick trip there because these people were so very dear to him, and yet he was in a hurry. And so he called for the Ephesian elders, the pastors of the little congregations, to come and meet him in the port city of Miletus. This was a difficult meeting for all of them because Paul knew the trials and imprisonment and all kinds of danger were waiting for him. And he knew that he would likely never see the faces of these people ever again. And so he was saying his last goodbye. This whole passage is just covered in tears. And most of the time in the book of Acts, Luke presents to us St. Paul the Apostle, the missionary, the evangelist, as he, he preached to unbelievers, to the Jews and the pagans, and even the philosophers on Mars Hill. But here we see a unique picture of St. Paul as a pastor, a sample of how he preached to Christians, what was important to him as the leader, as the shepherd of God's people, and what it was that he wanted most of all to leave to those that he loved the most. You can say it was his last will and testament. And he began by reminding them of the wonderful time and the, the ministry that he had conducted while he was living among them during those three years. He said, you know how I lived among you serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and trials, how he didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you, testifying of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He said that he had set them an example of a humble man of God and a true servant of Christ Jesus. And so he continued, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And therefore, I testify to you this day, declaring the whole counsel of God. He was leaving them absolutely everything that was profitable for them the whole counsel of God. While he had been with them, he had preached repentance and forgiveness of sins. He had pointed them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He reminded them of the gospel of the grace of God. And if you know anything at all about St. Paul, if you remember anything about him, you remember his favorite word was grace. All of the letters that he wrote, all of his epistles, focused on the grace of God. That undeserved love which God has for poor, miserable sinners. The word of God's forgiveness of all their sins. God's gift of eternal life for all of them in Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior. That's what Paul's life, that's what his ministry was really all about. And that was the priceless treasure that he knew he himself had received. We heard last week it was all about God's grace coming to him, and that's what he wanted to leave with those he loved. And so then he pleaded with these elders to continue this godly ministry. He warned them about their future and the future of the church. He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, he said, be alert. There is a real urgency in St. Paul's words as he charged them to keep watch over their own spiritual condition. They had to take care of themselves if they were going to be faithful caretakers of God's people. Because he said, remember, remember your calling, that the Holy Spirit has called you to be shepherds, made you overseers, guardians, caretakers, pastors of the church of God. And with these words, he reminded them that it wasn't Paul's church, and it wasn't their church, but it was the church of Jesus Christ, the redeemed people of God bought with his precious blood. Oh, there's urgency in his words as he warned them of the dangers that soon would befall them. Fierce wolves will come in among you to threaten the flock. False teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing. The church would soon be threatened by a wolf attack coming from the outside. All kinds of strange philosophies and theologies and even coming from within, people using twisted words to scatter the church, devour God's people. And Paul knew that he would no longer be there with them to protect them. And so he cautioned these leaders, these pastors, to pay very careful attention, to always be alert. Finally, Paul said, and now, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
This was what they were waiting for. This was the inheritance, not of cash or stocks or bonds or property or even life insurance policies, but something of much, much, much greater value. He commanded them to God and to the word of his grace. And Paul claimed that is the inheritance of all those who are sanctified. That is what Paul has left to the entire church. And you know, that's the part of the will that the heirs are always most interested in. They want to know, am I somehow included? What have I inherited? What has my loved one left to me? Paul's answer was, the word of God's grace. That's what you and I have inherited too. The most precious inheritance of all, the word of God's grace. It's a word of God's love for you, as undeserving as you are. This isn't something that you have earned or merited, but this is the inheritance that has been left to you. It's a word of God's forgiveness for all of your sins in the precious blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you. It's a word of life that even death cannot undo because Jesus is risen for you and he has promised you eternal life. It's a word of the kingdom that never ends. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are an heir of a priceless inheritance. Now, in 1542, Martin Luther was struggling with some physical ailments, and he decided that it was time for him to write a will. German law in those days specified that the house and the property could not be left to the widow. She could only inherit her dowry and her personal effects. Everything else had to be left to the children. Well, as you likely know, Martin Luther wasn't always big on legal formalities. And so he decided that he was going to write his own will and put in it what he wanted. And so it began, I'm Martin Luther. Acknowledge with my own handwriting that I have given to my beloved and faithful housewife, Catherine, an endowment for her lifetime, which she will be at liberty to manage according to her pleasure and her best interests. And then he listed all the property that he was leaving to her. But then he praised her for being a faithful mother and a faithful wife. He realized that she was truly a gift from God. Imagine how that would be received on that day when that will was read. But then he ended with a confession of his faith. He said, for this reason, that the devil, since he can no longer come closer to me, shall no doubt persecute my Katie in all sorts of ways. For this reason alone that she was, and God be praised, still is the espoused housewife of the man, Dr. Martin. Finally, for as God, the Father of all mercies, entrusted to me a condemned, poor, unworthy, miserable sinner, the gospel of his dear son, 
and made me a faithful and truthful servant and has up to now preserved and grounded me in it so that many in the world have accepted it through me and hold me to be a teacher of the truth. Without regard for the Pope's ban and the anger of the emperor, the kings, the princes, the clerics, etc., yes, of all the devils, one should surely believe me much more in these trifling matters. This will has become part of the legacy of Martin Luther, the way in which he will be remembered not just by his wife or his children, but by the church since the time when it was first written. Brothers and sisters, what have you or what will you include in your last will and testament? What will you leave to those that you love? It isn't just about the, the stuff, is it? It can't be. It's, it's got to be much more than that. Have you ever considered adding a testimony of your faith? Now, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Foundation has on its website a Christian preamble that can be added to your will and read at that time covered with tears when your family gathers to remember you. It would be a time when you might remind your loved ones of the example of faith that you've left them. A time of encouraging them to remain faithful. Warning them of the dangers that still surround them. Urging them to pay careful attention. But ultimately, it's about commending them to God and to the word of his grace leaving them, your loved ones, a priceless treasure, an inheritance of eternal life in Jesus. Consider that. In the name of Jesus, amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.